Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, the official sports bar of the Warriors Huddle. The weather's getting warm, and I cannot think of a better way to spend an afternoon or evening than sitting outside with some homies, drinking a beer, and watching a game. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has me covered. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. In short, it's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while enjoying this beautiful summer in the Bay. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I are there all the time. So if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, the co-host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, one of the most knowledgeable and passionate barrier sports guys we have on this show, and a man who will never by a fake Christmas tree, Mr. Joe Shasky. What's going no, on, Joe? No, no, no. That's my dad. My dad has the fake Christmas tree. I will not do the fake Christmas tree thing. I have to have the real deal, and I'm the one who's going to end up hauling it in, getting water everywhere, and I'm the one who's going to be sweeping up all the little needles and whatnot. It's a nightmare. And then I'm going to use a Makita, Bonte Hill, if you're out there. I'm going to use a Makita to drill a screw into it so it fits into the little stand that it has to go into. That stand is a nightmare. Christmas trees are really complicated for me. So I, I am a Jew, wow. right? So I shouldn't care, dude. I shouldn't care at all. My wife celebrates Christmas. She's made my daughter into a huge Christmas fan. I try to sell her this bullshit lie that the Christmas tree in our house is a Hanukkah bush. Nobody fucking believes that, Joe. Not one person. <laughs> dude. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many menorah things I put on there, how many blue lights I use. It's a fucking Christmas tree. So it is what it is. Um, one quick note for anybody who is not uh, pan for the Patreon support and not getting the video feed, it'd be worth it today. What you'd get to see is a sliding scale of competency. Joe has this amazing or amazing studio. He's got all this dope ass sports shit behind him. I have it. I mean, it's an okay one. You know, I got like a nice brick background. It looks like Maxime has been kidnapped and is recording from like a completely bland room. Like there's not one thing behind you. Like, I'm not sure. It looks like you're like in a post-it note recording. And I'm not sure how you've achieved that, but nicely done. (laughs) Thank you. It's uh, it's actually a jail cell. (laughs) And here, while I'm giving out credit, let me give Joe some credit too. So some background, Maxime. So I always listen to the morning roast, but the days we're going to have Joe on, of course, I listen a little bit more closely. Today, I fire in and they had a guy named Chad doing on who is a sports personality on Portland Airways. You know, they're gonna play the Trailblazers tonight, so they're having a minute to talk about it. And Chad obviously likes Joe and obviously likes Bonte and is transparent because of it and starts explaining, look, the team's run by fucking idiots. Um, it's really hard to be a Trailblazer fan. It's difficult. I mean, he's, he's barren his soul, you know? The kind of thing where if it was to me, he'd be like, oh no, you guys are fine, blah, blah, blah. And so Joe jumps in and here's the credit I wanted to give you. Joe jumps in and seemingly is gonna support him and says, look, I've rooted for the Warriors forever. They're terrible. They were terrible for years. I know exactly what that's like, but it's way worse being a Portland fan, he says. He said, they lost Brandon Roy. They lost Greg Oden. They're nothing but incompetent. And then fires off a softball question to Mr. Dewing. How do you keep rooting for them? How hard is this? So Joe, credit to you, man. It was one of the most incredible backhanded fuck yous I've ever seen on live radio. And I've been waiting to tell you that for hours. You know, it's funny because, like, being a Warrior fan of our age, right, there's the Depression-era Warriors where they just – they just weren't they weren't even close to good and like you just become numb at some point you're still a diehard and whatnot it almost is worse when y- your hopes go up and down and that's why I look at like the 49ers and what it was like to be a San Francisco Giants fan before they won World Series we were always the bridesmaid never the bride and I feel like Portland 
The same thing. Anytime they're set up for like a three, four, five-year run, something horrific happens. You know, Bill Walton, they, they win a championship in the 70s. Bill Walton, done. Career over. Has a, one of the worst injuries you could have. Obviously, they had Clyde Drexler. They get to the finals. He gets traded and wins championships. They get Brandon Roy. He looks like an old generation type player. And then his career is going to end before it even starts. Like, it's just a nightmare. And then you can't get through the Golden State Warriors the last few years. You stood pat. You didn't have the guts to make the Monte Ellis-type trade that the Warriors ended up making, which is a hard trade. You could lose that deal, and, and they don't do it. And now they're stuck here, and I don't think they really have a future. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the only sport they got in town up there. It must be really hard. I loved you for it. So like somebody comes to you and is like, uh, my wife's driving me crazy. You have a couple options. You can just nod, you know, like, oh, yeah. okay. Or you can you can fire off a support and say, so there are times my wife drives me crazy. You never see the third option where you're like, oh, I hate your wife too. It's like, oh, yeah. dude, she's like, fuck man, <laughs> terrible scenario for you. And that's exactly what Chad had to take right to his face. So <laughs> let's open with a hooray for Joe because that yeah. was, it was well-deserved. Um, all right, boys. Let's jump in to glass half full. Joe, you'll recognize this. We look back at recent Warriors basketball. Give me something you like, something you don't. To give you some time to think, I'll fire off one I like first. I like Jonathan Kuminga victory cigar minutes, dude. So, like, most of the time, right, when a team pulls all the way in and then they bring in that guy that means the game's over, I mean, it's fun. It's fun for the diehards, but it's like a feel-good story. You know, it's nothing you really give a shit again. It's like the Damian Joneses of the world. You know, maybe they'll have some play you care about, but it doesn't have anything to do with development. The Warriors get up 15. They fuck around and bring in a generational athletic talent who's going to be elongating Steph's career and is developing right before our eyes. You know, so right when you think the entertainment's going to stop, it doesn't. It just changes a little bit. And it's what I loved about this recent stretch. He's got a taco fall kind of feel to it where it was a novelty at first, right? Like that taco fall, when he'd come in, the crowd would go crazy. But like... (laughs) Kuminga's clearly way more talented than Taco Fall will ever be. This is going to be a lot of fun. The guy is, and he's delusional. Like, we're talking about irrational confidence. He might be the most irrationally confident athlete we've had around here. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, step aside. Here is Jonathan Kuminga. This guy thinks he's got the world as his oyster. That's absolutely right. I'll give you something else I like. And it's a random, so it's an old thing. The video surfaced of Steph hitting that shot from the tunnel that was a little bit above, right? The the sweet level. And so we've all seen that. And we know what Steph's capable of as far as hand-eye coordination. So that's not what I liked. What I liked was go back and watch it. Right after he, he makes it, the first thing he does is he turns around and you can't see the person in the tunnel, but he interacts with the guy in the tunnel. He gives him a bunch of finger guns or something like that. And then right after that, he turns around and he interacts again with somebody off screen who's down on the floor. And what I loved about that is that this superstar, maybe the best player in the league, does this incredible feat, you know, something that none of the rest of us could do, and then immediately, immediately uses it to make two other people feel good about themselves. You don't see that shit, man. You know, I was a huge Barry Bonds fan, huge. Every time he took the plate, standing ovation. If Barry hit a 600-foot home run, you know who the fuck he was not going to be making other people feel good? I mean, like, <laughs> he wasn't going to point to anybody. Man, no. he didn't even make his teammates feel better. Steph pointed at two random non-Warriors players and included them in his moment. It's one of the things that separates him. It, it, it's what makes Steph Curry Steph Curry. Such a great point. I mean, the only moment Bonds ever showed any kind of humility at all or any kind of like human element. And I love Bonds like you do, but on the field, it was like when they won the division in 97 and he jumped up on and hugged the, the, the crowd. And that yeah. was because it was so out of character. <laughs> and then when he, when he was hugging his son, you know what I mean? Like that's exactly right. That's like literally it. And and again, you know, Bonds having one of his greatest on-field achievements, getting the Giants to actually win a division. Okay, outlier moment. Steph does this every night. I mean, the dude is next level. You talk to anybody with the Warriors, and they all talk about the person behind the scenes and the individual behind the scenes. I mean, just think of all the guys that are having baller years this year. This dude is empowering those guys. Like, that's the way I look at it. How many other superstars are like, yeah, just keep chucking, keep shooting. You're going to find you. He never screams at anyone, never yells at anyone. As great as he is on the court – I think he's the greatest teammate we've seen in sports. Like, I'm dead serious on this. Greatest teammate of all time that I've seen. I don't think you're wrong. So, I mean, let's let's pull it into the themes today, right? So, we're recording this before the Warriors play uh, Portland. We don't know if you broke the record, so we don't talk about it. You know, that's, that's the only reason why. But using that, when they ask Steph about what's one of the records he wants to beat, one of the things you hear is that he wants to beat Clay Dobson. You know, it's this thing. He's, he's one of the most competitive people on earth. But if you go back to the tape, and you watch Clay establishing that record, 
The only person who's enjoying it more than fucking Clay Thompson is Steph Curry. I mean, yeah. he's he's losing his mind at almost every stage. And for someone that competitive to genuinely enjoy what someone else is doing, again, not easy. Here's the last glass half full thing I'll give you. Random acts of Wiggins athleticism. Uh, but he doesn't use it all the time. We don't always see it. And it's not always like on dunks over Carl Anthony Towns. There was a rebound last week against LA and, and the, the photos of it went well, fairly viral, but he'll jump like nine feet just out of nowhere, just casually to go up and corral a, a simple defensive rebound. And I, I'm, you know, this guy, I think is finally becoming the player they wanted him to be in Minnesota. And I'm just fired up about all things Wiggins. You forget he was the number one pick. My brother texts me all the time. I, I keep I always forget he's the number one pick. Like the number one overall pick. Not the fifth pick, which is still an accomplishment in itself. Not the 11th pick. The number one overall pick. And LeBron, without even playing one game with him, was like, yeah, I can't play with you. I mean, think <laughs> of what that does to an 18-year-old. It's I'm, I'm rooting for him. He's my favorite story this year. It's a very New England Patriot feel to it. We were talking about this the other day on the oh, show. Sure. Where, yeah. like... They get anybody around them, you know what I mean, on this in this culture, and it's the best version of that guy. And yeah. Andrew Wiggins is case study number one. Who the hell saw that coming? You know what I mean? Like we used to be that culture. Like we made Derek Fisher a loser. You know, like it used to be like the no, we brought Ronnie Turioff in to get some wiener dust. Okay, <laughs> Ronnie Turioff. Remember that? Of course I do. Although to be fair, there's never been a better towel waving Frenchman in the history of the game. <laughs> I mean that that motherfucker could wave a towel like nobody's ever seen. So he did. He did give us a little towel dust. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, what do you boys got? Anything good or bad from recent Warriors who? Well, yeah, if you don't mind me jumping in, I kind of want to tie this all together because what I wanted to bring up was Wiggins going for eight, uh, eight three-pointers. And, and I mean, in and of itself, that's fantastic, right? The joy that he brought um, to the court after he made that eight three, right? It's like Barry Bonds uncharacteristically, you know, jovial, right? I mean, like dude was grinning from ear to ear, unlike I feel like we've, we've even seen in his um, short stint as a warrior. But the thing that felt the most special about all of that was how Steph celebrated him on the sidelines. I mean, it's sure. another indication of why this guy is the best teammate of all time. And I mean, look, there's, there's tons of reasons to be excited of it in and of itself. But to me, it's also a celebration because it means that there's just less pleasure on, on Clay's shoulders to be the catch and shoot guy, right? We can let Clay ramp back up because Wiggins is just like really holding it down for us and so there's just five different reasons to celebrate right there yeah are, this team man do you the remember vibes. fucking seeing Wiggins smile ever before he came here no you know, he has he has like a genuinely good smile he's a, he's a robot dude. He, he really was like we we told all yeah. these jokes about how like when he went home I assumed he just stood in a room like blinking <laughs> until they brought him out like a toy you left on you know but like now he's just like personality and he's happy and all this stuff do you blame him though? Like again, I, I I'm a big like psychology guy, right? Product of your environment. I believe in these things, right? And you look at Andrew Wiggins, you're a phenom your whole life. And then you get to the NBA and you're drafted by LeBron James's team. I mean, that's wow. I'm gonna be on LeBron James's team, and it's his return to Cleveland after being a hero. And before you even play, he's like, Yeah, I gotta get you the hell on out of here. I can't win with you. Like that's gotta that's gotta like seep into your brain and it's gonna like obviously affect how you view others. Barry Bonds, his whole interpretation of the media was because of his father and how his father was treated and being traded five, six, seven times. And now that doesn't exonerate Barry for how he treated people. I still think he could treat people a little better, but I understand being Andrew Wiggins and being guarded. You know, I just yeah. I do. And and so I'm I'm rooting for the guy. He seems like a good dude, you know. I I thought everybody was shaming him with the vaccine stuff and everything. Like, I get it. I have the vaccine. I don't expect others to do what I am doing in my house. I have a hard enough time getting my family to all get on the same page. So I'm not here shaming others, but I didn't, I, I was uncomfortable by all that. And I could have seen a scenario where like, oh, the year gets off to a rocky start for Andrew Wiggins. Look what the hell's going on with the Nets and Kyrie. It's a nightmare. And yet, the exact opposite is happening with the Warriors and Andrew Wiggins. And I just, I'm rooting for this guy, man. I'm really pulling for him. And I, I think when you think about guys that have reclaimed their career, JaVale McGee goes to the top of the list because he had one foot out of the league. Yep. Is there a better story, though, than Andrew Wiggins? Nope. A guy that everyone thought would be a multiple-time All-Star right now showcasing why he should have been the number one overall pick. I don't know. I just, I'm pulling for him. No, you're right. It's, it's a complete reversal. He is locked in. We're getting consistent effort. We're seeing that athleticism. And the one thing that everybody said he didn't do, he's doing in spades, playing defense. I mean, this dude's a different guy. And 
to address your LeBron point, if memory serves, LeBron announced his return to Cleveland via that article, right? And in that article, he was talking about all the people he, I'm looking forward to playing with this guy and here's why Cleveland, and Wiggins just wasn't mentioned, just wasn't mentioned at all. So like, if you're Andrew and you know, because you're, Joe, your your articulation of that is spot on. You know, you're you're fired up. Oh, I've got a future. I'm playing with this guy. He's gonna take me under his wing. Here we go. You see that article, you're like, oh shit. Like, oh, then you get to that portion. Like, oh, and here's the part he's talking about. People wants to put, and then here's just, your name's not in there. And like, you're just not included at all. It's uh, it's not the best of things. It's not the best. And, and then you go to NBA Siberia. I mean, yeah. let's let's call it what it is. And then Jimmy Butler, who, you know, Jimmy Butler found a home in Miami. You have to be a very particular player to thrive in Miami. We all agree, like their culture and what their system is. Jimmy Butler's a jerk, though. If we're being like a hundred percent, like he's a straight up jerk. Now I'm not exonerating the other guys on that team. Carl Anthony Towns, who the hell knows what's going on with him, family, all the stuff that he's got going on. But like Minnesota has been one of the worst run organizations in sports. Forget the NBA in sports. Who who even Kevin uh, Garnett left a little on the table playing in Minnesota. One of the all time greats. So you're telling me Andrew Wiggins is gonna like oh he, that that's gonna be a flourishing you know environment for that guy to really nourish into an NBA superstar. Get out of here. I'll give you one thing. I don't. Um, well, one that we've already talked about. I don't like recording before games. The idea that we're doing this before maybe Steph sets a record. You know, like it's not on you, man. But it's is a bonus. There's one I don't like. Here's another. I was at that Spurs game, and I got a story for you um, later on, and I'm going to need your advice, but I'll say yeah. The thing I didn't like was that missed free throw, offensive rebound, three-pointer to end the game, and you just knew it was done. I mean, it was just, it's just one of those things. I think they were only down one point after it went in, mm. but internally, you could just like, mother, you could just tell that the uh, the air had been let out of the team. Uh, anything else from you, boys? Yeah, you can like? I give you a good one since you said that you went to the game? Maxime, have you been to a game this year or had in the last? Okay, cool. Very cool. So I took my wife to the Friday night game against Phoenix, right? Very lucky. Got some great seats, you know. Um, and you guys have been Warrior fans forever. I've been a Warrior fan forever. And I'm I'm not knocking Oakland or the Oakland arena at all. It's just that area doesn't have a lot around it. And for somebody on my side of the Bay Area, it was just, you know, I would take BART or I would drive over there. I would get in and then I would get out. There's there's nothing really to quote unquote do. It was like just East Oakland. You didn't like you know, Deep Hagenberger, East Oakland? Yeah, what, right. What the pack and save that burned down across the street, dude. You didn't hit that the all Carl's the time. Jr. Yeah, you know right what there. I mean? Like it, it's, it's, but, but again, I, I'm not knocking what, what, ha, what they had over there. They didn't have the infrastructure, and they didn't have all of the stuff there. I walked into the stadium. We took an Uber. I live here in the city. Took the Uber right on down. 15 minutes. Boom. Dropped right off in front of the stadium. Walked right up. Boom. Thrive City. I'm like, this is ridiculous because I went during COVID and it was a limited capacity and it was like, I wonder what this is going to look like if they're good. Well, they're great. And now it's the biggest game of the year up to that point. You know, it was Phoenix Suns Friday night, ESPN, a giant tree in the promenade, five different restaurants to choose from a warrior team store. That was unreal. You know what I mean? If you're just like a fan trying to get some gear for people. The whole environment and everything, and the stadium itself is so cool. You go in, I don't think it's perfect. There's a lot of little things that I can nitpick, but like for my wife, who is a casual NBA fan at best, one of the best nights of the year for the two of us going out there, hung out, got drinks and whatnot. I'm just saying in terms of an event spot, they freaking hit that out of the ballpark, dude. I'll, I'll add an exclamation point and a kill. So I'm, I'm an East Bay guy, man. Born and raised. Yeah. Um, Oakland, live there now. And yeah. season ticket older, right? And so one of the things I was bitter about with Chase is that I can't get home that easy. I used to be able to shoot up Hagenberger. I'm home in like 10 minutes. You know, yeah. now it's a whole different thing. But um, so I went to a game earlier this year and other friends happened to be there. I didn't know they were going to be there. We exchanged some texts and found out. Mm-hmm. And afterwards is when I realized one of the amazing things about Chase. That's what you're talking about. We went out met out in Thrive City and grabbed a drink immediately right there. Impossible. That was impossible <laughs> to do in Hagenberg. You, you, I mean, like you just, there weren't any options. You could, they had that one shitty sushi restaurant that was a little bit up yes. Hagenberg, but you know, like that was it, man. We it was sketch. It was, oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> the best. I'm not even sure that was fish, but we don't have to go. <laughs> we don't have to jump down that. So but no, you are. Can you believe that the Warriors built a world-class, just forget sports, just a concert venue, a venue in downtown San Francisco, 
literally on the water. Like, I don't think people can understand this. And I know we were talking about Portland earlier and ownership and how that stuff matters. Yeah, assembling the team's the most important. We all agree, right? Yeah. But all these other things, if the, uh, if the team isn't good, they're all bonuses. I still have fun going to AT&T Park when the Giants suck, right? Because there's other things to do in that area. But now that they're good and you go to a playoff game and it's Giants-Dodgers, I mean, you're talking about, like, some of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to. Conversely, I drive an hour and a half, 80 miles an hour to get down to Santa Clara, and it's in the middle of nowhere. So the whole time Friday night we come out of the game, and my wife, she'll come to Niner games. But she's saying to me, I can't believe the Niners are so far away. I can't believe that they whiffed on this. And I just I want to give some love to Joe Lakeup and the ownership group to have the vision and the money and the know-how to get something done of that magnitude in the city. I, I don't think people understand how difficult that is. When they came out of their own pocket, which is a huge, <laughs> huge, huge thing. We're trying to sell nicknames for Chase Energy. We, we covered this last week a little bit. So the one I've been pushing is the bank. Take it to the bank. You know, like that kind of shit. Chase Center, those things. What do you think, man? I mean, if, if you got another one, what do you think about so, the bank? Yeah, I, I said the big bank by the bag, but that was way too wordy. So I'm thinking now Splash House. Not bad. You know, oh, yeah. like I, I want to do some sort of a spin on, you know, they used to have the cliff house used to have these like water uh, shower baths and things like that. So something like splash house, you got the boys raining threes oh, yeah. right there on the water. I don't know. I'm thinking something like that. It's uh, I don't know. This was worst case scenario for me. So when you said the big bank by the bay, I was thinking to myself, oh, Joe's definitely going to like the bank. It was like, he's going to come in. He's going to bank. Thing and not only did you not say that, but then you gave a better name that like kind of undercuts mine. So fuck yourself, Joe, and fuck your dope ass studio and the Splash House. I'm just gonna throw that out there. You know that it is what it is. Uh, My bad, bro. <laughs> let's transition. Yeah. So off the court report, idea is simple. If you listen to this podcast, you like this team as much as we do. You certainly know what the hell happens on the court. Joe, like some of our other guests, has even more of a connection to the team. They get to see these boys off the court. And just recently, I really enjoyed an interview that Joe and Bonte did with Joe Lacob. You guys spent time with him in studio. So for this off the court report, I shut up and just give you a question. How was he, man? Like, what what, what were your impressions of Lacob uh, after spending some time with him? I mean, like, people are going to think that this is absurd, but, like, say it out loud. How many owners in sports come into the studio, sit down for an hour, and are like, hey, I'll take caller questions? I mean, just uh, pick the sport. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Premier League soccer, mm. you know, minor league baseball, pick the sport. Like, n very few. Jed York? Jed York? Has, yeah, is Jed York coming in? Yeah, there you go. Since, what, 2014 uh, on, on you know, the other station, KMBR's uh, morning show? It's the last time that he sat down and had an interview. Look, this guy, we did our homework, and we were going to ask very specific questions. Normally in these settings, I don't care if it's a, you know, local Bay Area team or a comedian or an actor. Sometimes. Sometimes they have PR people like, don't ask X, Y, and Z. None of that. Huh. They didn't have anything. They didn't tell us what we need to ask, what we don't ask. Joe's an open book. And here's the thing that I love about the dude. He's charismatic as hell. And he loves uh, creativity. And he loves ideas. And he's all here for it. The guy wants to win. And here's the thing like that I kept going back to. And I, I said it to him in the interview. If Chris Cohan walked down the street, I literally could not point him out. Right. That's exactly I'm a right. diehard Warrior fan. Right. I don't even know what this dude looked like. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of weird to me, like, that he owns the business. And then on a business level, my uncle is a businessman. He took over the business my grandfather started, right? And I know how difficult things have been during COVID. I just maybe have a perspective of what it means as a family to run a business, right? And I think a lot of people think money just springs out of the cash register. And I know on their level, these guys make a lot of money in pro sports. I'm not here to say that they don't, they, but it's what you do with that money. And they have at every single turn reinvested that money back into the stadium, back into the training staff, back into the facilities, back into the coaching staff, back into a G League team for crying out loud. Like everything they do is top notch. So I know at times certain decisions drive people nuts and myself included. I was like, you're getting rid of Avery Bradley. Guess what? I was wrong. GP2, so much sicker than Avery Bradley. Right. Yeah. Like, right. But my point is this. If you're going to ride and die with someone, I want to ride and die with someone who has the skills and the attributes like Joe Lacob. This dude is the most impressive man ever. He's going to stub his toe, but ain't nobody want to win as much as our fan base as that guy. And that's our modern day Eddie DeBartolo. I love the dude. I absolutely love him. Does he talk a little too much sometimes? Yeah, maybe. But you know what? The good with the bad. You got to take a little right. bit of both. And I'll tell you right now, he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to the Warriors. You can say Steph Curry. You're not wrong. I'm, I'm not. But there's a 
a business element on the other side of it. Imagine if you don't have Joe Lakeup. Who's to say Steph Curry doesn't opt out and bounce? I mean, it happens all over the league. So as much, and I'm not diminishing Steph. Steph is so important. But I do think people just omit ownership and and the front office and the, the family that they've built. Think of the balls to fire Mark Jackson, right, and hire Steve Kerr, who has never done it. The you've highlighted so a lot of things go into a successful franchise. Lots, right? One of them's luck. Um, mm-hmm. Getting the the rights to the seventh pick when the seventh pick is Steph Curry. Steph Curry becoming the kind of person he is can't control that, and that luck led to the Warriors being who the fuck the Warriors are. But it's not all luck. Some of you have control over. And not all people take advantage of the things you have control over. Not everybody spends every dollar you possibly could to make yourself competitive. Not everybody, you know, puts all of their assets into the middle of the table to build the Chase Center. Um, I was just recently thinking, I remember, you know, this G League team, the Santa Cruz team, they were in North Dakota, right, when they bought them. They, they weren't even local. And this was years ago. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, they had this vision of, well, we should have everything close to one another. And this is this all-encompassing um, unit. And at the time, okay, fine. Who gives a shit? It's a G League team. Uh, well, now, too. when you have people like Kuminga and you have people like Moody and you want them to both develop and to get to know the team, they only have to drive 90 minutes, 75 minutes. They play and they come right back up. They were right about that shit. They, they have been ahead of the game throughout throughout this entire process. Maxine, you can't talk about Jordan Poole's ascension without the G League stints. <laughs> like, the guy was not an NBA player. He goes to the G League with their coaches, their facilities. He's yo-yoing back and forth. And, and are you not getting the best version of Jordan Poole? I didn't even know if he was an NBA player after one year. I really didn't. Right. And I, I don't know. I, you're, you, the, the G League thing, like that's just one layer of it. Think of the amount of resources they've invested into that. 100%. I mean, look at, look at what's happening just down, I guess, up the road in Sacramento, right? Where you have a bunch of turnover in the front office. And like at the yes. end of the day, the common denominator is the person that owns that team, right? And there's a reason that it's a revolving door. And at the flip side, look, I mean, the, the ability to withstand a fan base saying Jordan Poole is not worth it, right? This was a bust in the first round. What a bummer. We move on to say like, nope, we're sticking with him. We're going to let him develop. And into what he's become, I mean, that does start at the top. That starts with ownership being consistent and and allowing somebody like Bob Myers to trust himself and not continue to like walk in there and say, hey, I'm going to tell you how, you do, how to do your job. Maybe the most impressive thing about Lake, I don't know if you guys saw this, it's kind of new. In fact, I, I just got it on my phone, but he wants Chase Center to be known as the bank, which I think is a great idea. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if it catches on, you know, but I mean, it seems seems pretty good. So, I mean, good for Lake. He's, well, he's got a uh, an eye for good nicknames. And he, here's the other thing. I went right at him with his son because there's a lot of criticism on mm-hmm. online about his son being a part of the team. Look, man, the reality is my uncle, I was telling you about the family business, my uncle was always going to take over my grandfather's business. Yep. Yeah, everybody who worked there knew that. All right, guys? That's how business works in America. Yep. That's how business works overseas, okay? That's how most of these operations are. Most people... Like I've seen this thing, it's like 95% of people get their job because a friend recommended them or a family member recommended. That's what referrals are for. Now, when you own a business, hell yeah, you're gonna put your own family in positions of power. But you know what? The fact that he didn't even shy away from that and the fact he went head on with it and explained it, to me it was like, how can I argue with this dude? Dude, you hit, I'm really glad you said that because I listened to that interview and it really hit um, a place of, I don't know, I was impressed by it and here's why. Years ago, years and years when we first started this fucking thing, Kirk Lacob came on our show and he was nice and we, you know, we yeah. had all this back and forth until I threw him a softball about nepotism. And it was the it was the only time veered away. It got really weird. They basically yeah. asked us to leave the room. And so when you approach that with Joe, I mean, all my sensors perked up. You know, I was ready for him to have a very similar reaction, and he did not. He wasn't upset by it at all. He was very calm, you know, and, and he explained all the things that went into it, um, which was you know diametrically opposite to the way his son handled it. And I remember yeah. walking away very impressed. All right, boys, five golden. So these are our golden questions. They've all come from listeners. They uh, veer from Warriors related to personal. That's true this week. The personal one comes from me. It's our last one, and it's the advice I need. And I'll let you know right now. It's a relationship advice thing, but we'll save it. First day Warriors one. And Maxime, I'm going to throw it to you. How many threes for Steph Curry on how many attempts will go down tonight? So for those not paying attention, although I'm sure you know it, 
We're at the precipice, maybe of history. Steph is 16 away from breaking the overall record currently held by Ray Allen. Um, and the other record out there is the 14 hit by Clay Thompson in a single game. So theoretically, in a single swoop, he could beat them both. I think he'd try. I think the reason they left him in in that last blowout win against Orlando is they wanted him to get it down to a place he might be able to beat both records. So here we are. Maxime, what do you think? How many threes will he try and how many will he hit? Let's be clear. And again, I think everybody listening probably knows this context as well. But part of the reason this is so important is this is the last home game. Um, So if he doesn't, if he hits, if he splits it and goes eight and eight, that uh, that record is being broken on the road. Obviously, it'd be great to have it in front of the home crowd. Look, I think there's a reason that 14 is the record of number of threes hit in a game. that's a pretty hard record to beat. Uh, we saw Wiggins go off, and that was uh, only eight of them, you know? So I really don't think he quite makes it all the way to 16. Uh, but I do think that he makes a good run at it, and I'm going to go uh, 10 makes tonight. I'll follow you, Joe. I mean, I I, I think he's going to do it. I don't know oh, why. Let's, let's go. Oh, let's I go. I think he's going to do it. But here's, here's the consolation prize. And everyone's like, oh, on the road, it would suck. For sure. Like, there's no doubt. For season ticket holders who invest a lot of time, energy, money, and and, and their lifestyle into, into the game, I want them to have that payoff. Like, I get that. Believe me, I do. But him also breaking it at the house Reggie Miller built, it's not that's not bad that's not bad because Reggie Miller is one of the few guys who like really really looks at Steph Curry and praises him from that old guard I think a lot of the old guard have a tough time embracing Steph Curry except for Reggie Miller so I just think that would be cool you know that's just me but I I think he does it tonight I really do I mean he had 62 against uh, Portland last year and and they were like full squad healthy so uh, why not why not let's just say that he does it tonight let's do it if nothing else, if, there, if you're looking for any other reason to get the video of this podcast, get the video so that you can look back and watch Joe smile sheepishly before he dropped in the, yeah, I think he's going to do it. Like, <laughs> like, here, here's the bigger question. Tonight, and we should mark this down, me and Bonte are doing this three-point shootout in, a, like I don't know, the last week of, of Christmas, the week of Christmas, where we're going head-to-head. And I'm not sure how many shots we're going to take beyond the arc, but let's say we take 15, 20 shots. Combined, will we make 15 no, threes well, from NBA uh, range? Yeah, I was going to say, from NBA range? No, no, we will not. I totally agree. Know that I am now challenged. Whoever the fuck wins that, I am challenging you to our own version of that. Okay. Uh, In fact, like the two members of this podcast want to challenge the morning roast. You tell Let's us when you guys are ready. Let's do we'll it. Do, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, and and we'll do it at a park instead of at Chase Let's Center go. because I'm low budget. As long as, and I have no access to Chase Center. As long as it's not a double rim, <laughs> I refuse to fucking shoot on a double rim. Anything else, dude? That's I fine. am hundred percent. I am. So I, I was going to say yes. And then CJ's collapsed lung is going to make me mm-hmm. say, I don't think he's going to beat it. Weird connection. Here's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be, I think they're going to blow these fuckers out. You know, I, I think this game is going to be over pretty early. Portland's in a nasty place. And I think him putting up the amount of threes necessary to get to 16 tonight when they're already up, you know, whatever it is, I, I could I just see that being mentally hard. If he's jacking through, you know, if, if his 20th attempt comes in the fourth quarter when they're already up 2025, the look on that, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull off. So I don't think he's going to do it. I'm going to say still big number. I say 12 threes on 20 attempts. I think we're going to see an insane amount, but I'm not sure if he gets up and over. Here's our next question. And it's one I'm fired up for Joe. I'm going to direct it right to you. Are the Suns and the Warriors officially a rivalry today? I mean, as of right now, can we call them a rivalry? I, I don't think they can. I'm a believer that rivalries just forged in the playoffs, right? That's, that's just my particular opinion. Um, I know baseball is different because it's so hard to get and meet in the playoffs and you play so many times during the regular season. And I'm also a believer that true long-standing rivalries, you can have microwave uh, rivalries, but the true long-standing ones are generational. I hate them. My kids hate them. My grandfather hates them. You know what I mean? Like that's why like the Dallas Cowboys always resonates and, and the Rams for certain people. I'm not sure if the Seahawks are going to resonate after Russell Wilson leaves. I'm not sure that I have hatred for the Clippers now that there's no Blake Griffin and CP three, like, eh. And like doc rivers isn't there. Eh. I have no feelings whatsoever to Houston Rockets right now. Like, like none, like zero. So that like, it's just not there for me. Like, OKC was kind of a rivalry, but nobody's there. That was, a part of that so 
I'm going to say no, not yet, but hey, you give me seven games and you mix in, you know, just add water, Chris Paul and that squad. And they're very similar. I see a lot of similarities between the roster construction. I think it could be an unbelievable epic playoff battle. It changed my answer. So I was going to say, yeah. Um, and I had a whole rationale for it. But what you've helped me distinguish, right? So this idea of like flash rivalries, because they happen. Yeah. Those flash rivalries, your rivalry is with the player. The real rivalry, your rivalry is with the jersey, right? The, the Dodgers come in, whoever's wearing that jersey, doesn't matter. There, there's a palpable hate. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Clippers, you know, no, it was it was individual specific. Houston, individual specific. I don't I don't give a shit about Jalen Green. I've, I've got no, you know, nothing against him. When Houston <laughs> comes in here, I'm not going to get that anger. So I was going to try to sell you on the reason why it's a rivalry is because CP3 is there and we have a history with him and we've got, we have all this stuff, but what's that? player specific if you take them away i no longer really care about this so i think it's closer to a flash rivalry um is that a byproduct of the current nba or is that because like i mean how many like i'm looking around the land like who the hell is the brooklyn nets rival i mean like yeah. really like, i mean yeah, yeah. you well, know what and, i mean like is oh yes because i feel like now the modern nba it's like i just hate that player you well, know what i mean well and and to to zag on that um, one of the byproducts of the AAU, you know, NBA is that all these boys are, are best friends. Generally yes. speaking, all the best mm-hmm. players have known each other forever. They've got a history. There's not hatred between them. One of the things that makes me dislike everywhere that CP3 goes is the obvious palpable dislike between he and Steph. You know, I mean, like, I'm sure they don't like, you know, send hate texts to one another, but you can tell, you can tell the FU between them and the way that they go. I mean, that, that whole nine yards. So there, there's at least a, a personal rival over there. Maxime, where are you at on this, man? Do you, do you view him as a real rival? Yeah, no, and I was going to ask the question, is that is it even possible to have team rivalries like we've been discussing in the sort of player empowerment era, right? The the degree to which these, you know, I could see, right, I think something like the amount of um, monetary input that, that goes into the Clippers organization, right? If you had a healthy Kawhi, I could see that being a rivalry over time, right? That could have really transcended the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin era into what we're seeing now. Um, but something about the way that team is constructed kind of just makes me feel bad for them, honestly. It's just yeah. like, it's awkward how they work with each other or lack thereof. And I feel like the way that these players are moving around from team to team, ultimately, I'm not really sure. Like it used to be Houston for me, right? That was a playoff bread rivalry right like that it went down to game seven that like they missed 25 in a row that that whole thing like just screamed like yeah fuck this team and now like again i just kind of feel bad for them right so the the, when james harden moves on you can't really continue to maintain that and i don't think we're going to be in a place again unless the rules change dramatically where we actually can find team rivalries dude look at cleveland we went to the finals against them multiple times multiple times you're looking and i'm rooting for them yeah Yeah, exactly right you're looking for rivalries born (laughs) in the playoffs they made it to the fucking finals against us, and it, and it didn't necessarily do it. Although I will say, um, rivalries against specific players still exist for me. And I was going to ask, you know, who, what, what player or team sticks out to you as your most hated? To give you a, a couple of seconds, oh, who, who is it? Is it LeBron, LeBron for you? Okay, I mean, LeBron's um, number one. I so I agree, and I got a random story for you. So like you will remember when they lost that game seven. One of the details, Father's Day twenty six. Okay, one of the details that get lost was it was Father's Day, right? So I was watching at the house, and I brought my parents over, and I've got um, younger sisters, way younger sisters. So at that time, I had a, a sister. I think he was like eight, nine years old, and LeBron was getting all these calls. And sometime at the end of the second quarter, I think LeBron gets a call, and I look, man, I was drinking. There was there's things going on i feel bad about this but i scream out to the ref why don't you just suck and and you know everyone's upset but like we move on you know it it is what it is they know the kind of emotional problems i have we fast forward to the fourth quarter lebron gets another call nobody's saying anything three-pointer okay lebron gets another call and nobody says anything and now my eight-year-old sister goes why don't you just <laughs> and everybody hates me, dude. And it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, like it just it got real. So yeah, I, I, LeBron is my guy. I respect everything he's done off the floor. Of course, it's a sports hate. Yeah, exactly. It's right. a sports hate. It, like that's the thing that like I don't think people. When I say I hate somebody, it's like it's like the Hawks and Mighty Ducks. You know, you hate <laughs> them on a sports level. You know, or you're jealous of the Range Rover they're driving. But it's not like a true hatred. You appreciate their greatness. Come on. I don't know. I hated the Hawks. I feel like I really hated them. I mean, you know, maybe not. Maybe I got to, uh, 
I got to revisit. Is it is that true? So we know for Joe is LeBron. Maxime, is that also true for you? Is there one guy who who sticks out above the rest? Yeah, uh, James Harden. Still. Oh, absolutely. Even- <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I like. I'm not going to forget that, right? The, the idea of the the thing of the team rivalry, right, happening over time. Like, I don't care what team he's on. I don't care that he's having a, a hard start to the season. Like, dude, just absolutely drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that he he annoys me. Um, he it, like sometimes my kid will use like a baby voice, and it'll annoy me, but I won't say anything. And like it'll you know I'll be, like, oh, I'll be fine. And then like ten minutes as she's using it, it finally just overwhelms me, and I'm like, you've got to stop doing that. When James Harden starts to play, I'm like, ah, okay, you know, like those bullshit things. But after like 10 minutes, I just can't stand it anymore. Like it, it like slowly wears me down like sandpaper. Here's our next quote. Settle an argument between friends. I think if GP2 joined the dunk contest this year, it would be good for all involved. The world gets a crazy athletic guard in the dunk contest, something we all love. And Young Glove gets more notoriety and fanfare. My friend is a dumbass who doesn't agree. Which one of us is right? So, boys, GP2 in the dunk contest. Good idea, bad idea. So, for a Warrior fan perspective, I think it's a great idea. The problem is I'm not sure he's high profile enough, even though he is Gary Payton's son. Like, that has its own notoriety because I do think people recognize that name. I just, you know, if there was a random guy who was kind of like the seventh, eighth, ninth guy entering the dunk contest for the Memphis Grizzlies, or I'm just inserting random team names, I'd be like, eh. And that's kind of what's lost the luster of the dunk contest. Here's the, if you want to go super dorky on this, I love Team Flight Bros and all those videos and stuff that used to be on the internet. I don't know if you guys were into those things. Uh, Dudes his height, 6'3", 6'2", 6'1", when they are elite, elite, elite jumpers and dunkers, it looks sicker than a 6'9". Yeah, most fun. It's most fun by far. It, it looks ridiculous. And that guy, I watched him against Phoenix. That boy gets up. Yep. I'm talking like his entire elbow up above the rim, how high he gets. Right. It's unbelievable. And he's vicious. I want to see him. And I do think the dude's a weapon. Forget the dunk contest. He's a straight up weapon. But I think it'd be really good for the Warriors to get him out there because so many high profile guys don't want to do it. I mean, that's just the reality. I'm still sad LeBron never did it. I mean, the last dude to win that, I literally had to look this up. Derek Jones Jr. wins 2020 NBA Slam. I mean, it's like the people who have been going into this, you know, we don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. He's playing for the best team in the league. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that you could at least make an argument for it. I'd love to see him in it. It'd be exciting. And just like you said, you know, the Muggsy Bogues dunk contest. You, you get these smaller dudes and what they are doing is just way more impressive. So, you know, the answer to this guy, your friend is dumb as shit. I agree with you. They should. They should put him in. Maxime, I'm assuming this is a clean sweep. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Did Joe say that we should put him in? I yeah. Okay. We okay. Said cool, as a Warrior cool. fan, he should. He just might not yeah. be able to make it. Right. I just know how other fans would be like, "Oh, the Warriors. Oh, insufferable." <laughs> I I mean, I get Are they that. Not- they're not letting you listen to the uh, podcast in that jail cell that you're recording for, man. I mean, he did just immediately say that shit. <laughs> that would be. Uh, a pretty impressive feat if I could participate in the podcast Incredible. but not actually listen to it. Listen, I mean, I'd it just be, be sitting here like, okay, here's my time. I'm going to jump in. Hopefully this is on on point. Um, no, I, I do think that we should absolutely have Gary Payton in the dunk contest. And I think you made the point, which is that Warriors aren't just some random team. You know, they're getting more national TV games than anybody else. Then on top of it, what Joe said, you have the, the Gary Payton the second on top of it, I think that's a story that could easily sell. And then you'd see it, you know, on the actual dunks. Dude deserves to be there. He'd bring him in. He'd bring, you know, they'd bring in Gary Payton. They'd bring in the glove. He'd jump over him. You know, we'd have I still think, you know, he'd throw him in, a, throw him in an alley. We oh, would let's go. That'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's and, no way that they wouldn't include him. It'd be incredible. Aren't we owed one, too, for the Jason Richardson first-round dunk that should have ended the contest where he went between the legs and to the left hand? Let's go. My favorite. All right, fuck it. This show's over. That's my favorite answer. <laughs> we've we've reached peak content. That's it. I love Jay Rich. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. We really appreciate you. Here's our next question, and uh, it's a multi-part one. Um, and I think I know your guys' responses, but it's also red hot as a topic now, so it's worth our attention. Quote, as much as I love Kuminga, Wiseman, and Moody, I don't think any of them are ready to contribute in a playoff series. And the one thing we've learned over the first quarter of the season is that Golden State is ready to contend right now. Should the Warriors consider a trade? So I've split this up, boys, into a general question and a specific one. The specific ones, I've got some suggested trades for you. But start general. Joe, generally, should they be looking around the league? Should these guys be looking to add to the roster or just stand pat? You know, don't fix it. It ain't broke. 
you're always monitoring and looking to get better. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you're not. You're always fielding questions, thinking about things, looking you know, out. You never exclude anything. That being said, the Warrior fans are out of their goddamn minds. I mean, Jesus Christ. You would think 11 guys play in every single game of every single playoff game throughout an entire playoff run. It's unreal. Dude, did you not watch what happens? Benches shrink right now. Just, just right now. We all agree. The starting five that they currently have are, are five guys locked in. Well, you're going to add in Clay Thompson. That's six. Then you're going to have Iguodala. That's seven. And then Pick your poison. Otto Porter Jr. one night. Bella, uh, Belitza, uh one night. Like, you're not going to have a nine and ten man rotation. Who are you acquiring? I want to know who people are acquiring. I love the versatility of this roster. I love the now and the future look of this roster. And I think Jonathan Kaminga is the break glass in case of emergency small ball five that they need for small stretches. Ooh, I like, it. I like where they're at right now. I, what This need to get marginally better is a pound, uh, penny-wise, pound-foolish decision to me. It's, it's so worried about getting some dude who's a name you recognize who might help them. Here's the thing about Miles Turner, for example, specifically him. So these seven-footers. How many times do the Warriors close with a legit seven-footer on the floor? Okay, save it because I got Miles Turner trades for you, right? You're 100% right, but give me this in two seconds when, yeah. I, when we go through the specific thing. Sorry. No, 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 not at all. I mean, your, your take is on the money, so much so that I'm basically going to follow it. I mean, at the end of this, I'm going to be like, you know what they should call Chase Center? The Splash House. I'm, I'm just agreeing with you far too much, dude, but here's my take here. So should they not consider it? No, I mean, you keep the phones on. Yeah. If, if you know, Milwaukee wants to trade you uh, Yanni's for Loon, you want to take the call, you know I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not immediately turning my back on anything, but am I actively pursuing a trade? Take away the specifics. Like one of the things I love about basketball is that chemistry matters. You know, it's not just talent. It's not just individual experiences. It's how they, they work with one another. You could take the five best musicians on earth, but if they hate each other, that band sucks ass. You know, same thing for basketball. And one of the cool sidelights about this team, it's the most kumbaya I've ever seen in any locker room. Every single quote that comes, I love playing here. I've never seen it like this. I, what a top-notch uh, outfit and everything. Everything is so rosy. What you don't do in this scenario is take something out and put something else in, man. You know, you, you've how chemistry comes together is impossible to define, but how you break it up is pretty fucking easy. You stir things up when you don't have to. And so, you I know, mean, why chance it? Last year, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I said this week one. Kelly Oubre Jr. was delusional. He did not work. It didn't fit. And it, it ruined how many people's psyche on a nightly basis. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Think about it. Like, Draymond was ready to kill someone every night, every single night by some of the IQ decisions. Here is the uh, – this is the case study for chemistry. We believe they made a trade for two dudes in the middle of the season. It instantly worked. Don Nelson tinkered a little bit with the lineup. Harrington and Stackjack fit. It fit and they wrote it right through the playoffs and then they screwed up and they traded away Jason Richardson and it totally messed with everything that they had going and it was a horrible horrible decision you're getting two players in an acquisition Clay and Wiseman it's as if you're making a big time trade like I don't understand people just let it play out like I don't get this immediacy is anybody sitting here saying Phoenix needs to make a move Oh, no, you're right. Of course, you're right. Um, and as far as the Kelly Oubre thing, I mean, this is, you know, no reason to take shots at him, but I will. I'm sorry. But, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm going to join up. So, you know, what, what was the backdrop before Kelly Oubre joins us? You know, things like Steph inviting Kevin Durant in. It's his team. It's his arena. It's his friend. It's the whole nine yards. What's he say? Anything you need, Durant. Anything. Yeah. Anything you need. You know, this, you make yourself comfortable. Ubre joins that. They ask him, would you be willing to come off the bench? Fuck no, he says. Absolutely not. I'm not that kind of a player. What are you talking about, dude? Wait, no, what, what, what franchise did you think you were joining? Maxine, trade? Should they consider it? No, I mean, I couldn't have said it better than, than you've said it. It's, it's, it makes perfect sense, and it's the chemistry piece that makes it all fit. I don't want to mess with success in the slightest. Here's the specifics. So let's see if any of these players, because, here, I mean, here's what's triggered it. Right, Indiana went belly up. They had yet another injury. And so now their two young big men are on the market, Sabonis and Turner. And the Warriors had some problems with Aiden. So everyone's saying, oh, look, go out, get the front court. Here's trade number one, possibilities. The Warriors trade Wiseman, Kuminga, Damian Lee, 
and a protected first rounder, probably pretty heavily protected, let's say, you know, outside the top 10, and they get back Sabonis. Would you guys do that? So uh, Sabonis, I think in a vacuum is a great player. He is. He's a great player. He does everything we need. If he's a good passer, he can shoot from outside, you know? Yeah, but here's where it gets tricky. You... He is a great passer. He's best if you watch Indiana. He has the ball in his hands almost the whole time. He's got a Brad Miller, Kevin Love thing going where, you know, he's a really, really good player. I'm not trying to diminish it. He has great basketball instincts and IQ. Draymond Green has to play with the ball at the top of the key in his hands. That's how this offense works. So what does it look like with a big standing at the elbow with his hand up demanding the ball right there? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. that's going back to fit, right? I, I, I just don't know. Could he play? Absolutely, he could play with this yeah. team. But my question is, what does that do for some of the other guys that are already on this team? All right, yeah. I, I just – and I'm not giving up Kaminga and James Wiseman so quickly. I, I think that's an overpay for me. I, I agree. I hadn't thought of the hub of the offense thing. You're right. You know, that's – Draymond is the we, – we have seen post players play that for us. You know, we've, and even in moonlighting roles, people like David West. But Sabonis isn't going to do that shit off the bench. You know, we're going to ask him to do it right in the middle of the starting five, and that might not fit. That's a very solid point. Man. Well, Kevin Love, like, I, I love Brad Miller. He was a really, really solid player. Like, everybody loved him. And get the ball at the elbow. Mark Gasol, very similar. Paul Gasol, very similar. K-Love would do the same thing. He'd get the ball at the elbow, and he'd go to work, right? The offense flowed through him. And that works – but when you're on this team, that's not going to work. Like, you're not flowing through you, bud. I, I love you. We're not. Now, would I love to throw the ball to him in the block and, and get me a bucket? Hell yeah. But he's going to want more than that. And I just yeah. don't know where how that fits. And you guys know, again, one piece out there with the starting five changes everything. No, and as bad right. as Loon is finishing around the rim, the guy knows how to give you the little slip screen, the little handoffs. Like, there's so many little things he does well for the amount of money he's making. He's not a great player, no. but he's a solid piece. Joe. What you're saying is there's no question this mortgage is the future. No one would argue that. Right? Kamingo, why you're mortgaging the future. The point you're adding to this is you might be mortgaging the fucking present. It, you know, a little bit. Yeah, this guy might not immediately contribute. Let's change the player. It also changes the haul you'd have to give up for him. So now the guy they're getting back, Turner. Yeah, so I mean, and a different guy. Wouldn't need the ball as much. Um, an excellent rim defender. Can hit the three occasionally. Here's what they, I think they'd have to give up. Wiseman, Moody, Damian Lee and another protected first rounder, but less protections. You're probably talking, you know, top five protected. That's it. The rest would be uh, would be open game. Either of you boys say yes to that? No, I don't. And look, I think specifically uh, Damian Lee, um, first of all, has been playing excellent, right? Like a, a, a early contender for six man of the year type excellent. Also, let's not forget who he's married to, right? This is literally a family man. And I think that cannot be understated in the context of the thing that we were talking about with chemistry. Now, I will say this does get me a little bit closer to paying attention because the one piece that could upset chemistry is James Wiseman, right? We don't know how he fits in on this team. We're totally expecting fair. him to add minutes. Where you know, this is the guy that people responded to the Aiton criticism with, is saying this is somebody that might cause Aiton enough problems to allow us to take um, Phoenix in a series, right? So we don't know how he's going to fit in the system. And so if he's sort of the centerpiece of the trade and we can make moves around the margins to make that work for Turner, that seems like a potential level up that that could be wise, right? That doesn't totally mortgage the future because you did not mention Kaminga in that. Sure, we have to get rid of Moody, but we still have, you know, the piece that's arguably more exciting as a seventh overall pick. There's something there. Again, not enough for me because like I said, Lee is really important here, but I'm starting to pay attention. You know who I've seen mention Wiseman? This is the other side of the uh, chemistry argument. I've seen Wiseman's name mentioned by Clay multiple times. Yes. Occasionally, when Wiseman was on the boat, we've, we've seen Andre Iguodala talk yes. about him at length. Well, and that's... They all want to play with him. Yeah, they they all are rooting for him. They all want yeah. to play with him. And, and so, you know, shipping him out, I think, also has a direct impact on chemistry. So, let, let me... Let me ask you guys this, because I find this fascinating. Some of these centers, forget his salary, just the player. Look at the player. How much better is he than JaVale McGee? Who? Which one? Turner Miles or? Turner. Miles Turner right now. 
in this offense, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how he impacts it that much more. You know, okay. I, I, right. Mar- Marquise Chris, like I'm trying to go guys that are comparable that are around the league. Sure. Would you be if we ever said Marquise Chris trade yep. X, Y, and Z for him for a slightly better rim defender? Like no. Like every year the Pacers have been trying to trade Roy Hibbert and Miles Turner, and no one bites because you've overpaid this guy. It's a Kings situation. Talking about your Kings, you have to pay these guys because you have no one else to pay, and no one wants to come there in free agency. This is a clear overvaluing of offense. Literally 12 and seven was what he averaged. And the usage rate was far bigger than James Wiseman. That's what James Wiseman averaged as a 19 year old. Not having any clue what he was doing. Any clue. Now I will say this is miles Turner better at setting screens right now. Of course he is. Seven years in the league. Is he better as a rim de- uh, defender? He's top five in blocks year after year after year. There's no doubt about it. Again, I go back to what the Warriors want to do. You swing a deal of this magnitude. If you're moving these pieces, it has to be with someone who you know will close every right. single game. Right. And I cannot do that with Miles Turner or even Sabonis. Like I, I. Here's a great question: Who is Sabonis guarding? If you face the now, I don't make every move dictating on you know adjusting to other teams, but you face. Phoenix, who's he's guarding? You you hope Aiden, but he doesn't have the physicality that we really really want. You know, he could still get bodied down there because he's not that big. No, you're, and and you know, I mean, it's worth at least saying the phrase: if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. They're twenty four. I mean, they're twenty four. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like they're not. They're not having a whole lot of problems right now, and and they won one of those Phoenix games. This feels a lot like the Warriors back in the day. Hey, anybody want Corey Maggette? Huh? Look at these numbers. Look at these numbers. Let me get your treasure, and I'll give you some of my trash. You know, could you remember Corey Maggette's nickname, Bad Porn, because he got penetration, but you didn't want to watch it? It was just like, oh, my God. Like, everything about never that heard was that. awful. Everything about him was awful. Oh even his nickname God. made you feel awkward. It's like, wow, how'd you even get that, dude? Like, that, that's an that's an awful Every thing. Every year, I show my CYO team. I Google it. It's called Corey Maggette travels five times and then <laughs> hacks someone. That's all you have to Google. And I'm telling you, it'll fall. He literally moves his pivot foot five different times as a warrior, loses the ball, okay, doesn't get called for a travel, turns around and just hacks somebody <laughs> like he hit him with an axe. It's I, one of the great feats of Golden State Warrior history, to be honest I guarantee with you. you that person needed hell of ice afterwards because I mean Corey McGetty was yoked dude like if nothing else oh, he, he was, was built a, like an Adonis he was a giant I, I am embarrassed at how fired up I was when they brought in Corey McGetty oh bro we all were <laughs> yeah, like him and Larry like, Hughes exactly. I was like they're the truth bro and fucking Danny Fortson I remember being like Danny Fortson like we're like here we go dude we can finally rebound double doubles our, baby all day 2020s yeah. all day every day all right Last question. I know you have some tree shopping to do, but this is the one I've been alluding to, and this is the advice I need. Okay, so some background. We've praised Chase Center. Deserves it. Let me take a shot at it. The the similarity Chase Center has with Levi's is absent fans, specifically, right, to start the game, and then at its worst, at its worst, is coming back from halftime. Mm-hmm. We disappear into the luxury, and they don't immediately come back. All right, so I mentioned... I went to Saturday's game with my wife. I'm aware of this, and I'm kind of a sports purist. You know, if, if you go to an expensive restaurant, I'm there's a- these there's this etiquette that you're supposed to follow. You go to an NBA event, there's some etiquette. Be in the fucking seats. Come back, right? But on Saturday, I go with my wife. We're sitting there right before halftime. She wants to leave a little bit early to, to beat the Lions and go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I'm already, you know, I'm a little worried, but... Spent a lot of money for the tickets. I want her to be on board with coming back to games. I know. Fine. The move. Okay. Yeah, fine. Yep. No problem. Off we go. We get it. We're sitting in there. I'm watching. They, the Chase Center is apparently aware that people aren't coming back because now on their televisions, one of the three, you know, two are showing hoop. One of them shows literally a, a countdown that's going down. Mm-hmm. Get back to your seats. So it gets to about a minute left. I'm waiting for my wife to say go. She's watching me watch. And then she makes it abundantly clear. That, no, no, no. She doesn't want, does not want to go back to the seats to start up the third. She's got at least one more dessert stop she'd like to make. She might want to check out the team store, and she definitely has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and my wife is, you know, and I, I am communicating with everything I have, body posture, and then ultimately just say it. No, no, no. You know, no, man. Like we've got to show the world that Chase Center is a real arena. I want to be there. I want to be there and show everything. She punks me immediately, Joe. No, 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 that's not going to happen. But then throws out the, and I know her, this is a trap. She throws out the, if you want to go back, if you want to go, go ahead. If you want to go back, go ahead, and I'll meet you back at the seats. All right, that's you. You boys are there with your wife. She's she's thrown down this gauntlet. Go ahead and go back if you want. You know, if you don't love me, fine. I'll go to these stores. 
what do you do? Do you go back and sit in the seat and represent to the world? Look, well, here we are. I am Chase Center and I care. Or do you placate the wife, you know, and make sure that you can come back to uh, a game in the future? Well, I think there's, I have follow-up questions. Number one, it's the Spurs. It's regular season. So, uh, and then what's your current standing with your wife? Did you go in? Is this a makeup date? Is this a, we're just, you know, are we just, you know, having fun? Like, are we in a good space? Great question. So we are, um, generally spending. I'm sorry. I got no, 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 no. It's a great question. I I love this detail. No, I love that. Fuck. This is perfect. So no, um, as far as where we were in the relationship, we're fine. There's no fights that I had to make up for, but. She hasn't been to a game. She was really nervous about well, you go. going post-COVID. And yeah. so a lot of this was kind of like, no, yeah. it's fine. And this yeah. is going to be fun for you too. Like, yeah. you know, like, great. So no, they're, they're, I did need to keep her happy, but not for husband and wife reasons, more for like, she was just worried about being there sure. and I wanted to make her feel so, okay about it. So, so I always like to establish beforehand, hun, this is a big game. This is a big game for me, and this is a big game for the team. And Smart. I know I sound completely insane, but I let her know off the rip, right? Like off the rip. She comes to a lot of Niner games with me, Giants games and whatnot. And so I do the scouting early. I, if, if I know that she hasn't been to the game, I'm okay going into the stadium 30, 40 minutes early and then kind of plotting yeah, out right. where she wants to go as we go on around it. And then she gets a good feel. So that way she's not rushed because there's some, you know, women, they don't want to be rushed. They don't want to be rushed at any time. And then the other move that I always do is like, hun, something historic could happen here in this third quarter, and we we do not want to miss it. But my wife is also cognizant of the halftime show, and she loves the halftime shows. They had the CYO team like St. Saint Anselmo or whatever playing at halftime, and I coach a lot of CYO, so we sat there and watched that entire thing. Plus, my wife is a sporting event OG. She knows if you wait till two minutes to go in the second quarter, the lines are already starting to pack up. You got to go seven, six minute mark and jump out ahead of it. So I've conditioned my wife over the years, but let me tell you, I'm also 11 years deep in the game. So, you know, at this point, it's not this new love or anything like that. Like we're pretty hardcore, you know? Yeah, Joe, I'm definitely not new love. Like with more than 11 (laughs) years, you know, like fuck no, none of that, dude. And not all of us are prepared, man. You know, I took the ferry, we couldn't walk around. So let's say you put in all of that preparation, but it still collapses. You are now at a halftime and your wife looks to you. You got to just, you got to live in the moment. You got to live in the moment and do what she wants to do at that point. Because (laughs) at the end of the day, happy wife, happy life. And you could suffer the consequences later. And yes, it does suck. But this, this was where I'm a big believer in boundaries, explain things on the front end. Like if you don't communicate and you don't explain how important things are to you, how can I know? That's what I always say to my wife. So, (laughs) It's the truth. If you explain them, hun, I really want to be on our seats. We spent a, you know, pretty coin on this and I'd like to enjoy the seats and whatever. Afterwards, we can do whatever you want and this, that, and the other. You know, there's always a trade-off. You're 100% right. I'll tell you what I did in a minute. Maxime, do you agree with this advice? What would you have done? Would you have gone back or would you have, uh, you'd sat in there by yourself? Fellas, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not just talking the three of us here, right? There's a lot of people that are listening to this. And if if every single person that's listening to this takes the advice that you just gave, there's nobody in the fucking seats at the beginning of the third quarter, right? Okay, so like, I get it. That's all nice, right? And and like, we gotta take care of the significant others. That's very important. But you got to go back to the seats, okay? No you way. Just have if to Natalie go told to you seats. to go back, you'd fucking go back. There's not, dude, I call bullshit. If your wife told you you do go back, as much as you're right and as much as the abstract person should, there's no fucking way you look her in the face and be like, I'm going back. Okay, go so Go enjoy listen. the trip to the fucking store. So everybody listening, just go ahead and fast forward like 30 seconds because 100% that's what I'm doing. Yeah, there's no yes, way I'm saying dude. no to my wife, okay? The fucking course. Dude. <laughs> the fucking course. I've met Natalie, remarkably nice, strong woman. There's, there's no strong. bullshit, you know? Yeah, that's... <laughs> So I handled it worst case. I got like defensive and weird about it. You know, like I got like sad and didn't say anything and tried to punk her out of it that way. It didn't work. Told her I thought we had an unspoken rule because I'd left early. So maybe we could go back early. Didn't work. Ultimately told her, okay, like whatever you want to do, but was so pissy about it. Boys, she did go to the bathroom. I don't even think she had to fucking go to the bathroom. I think she just went in there and stood in there for five minutes as like with both middle fingers up at the door. <laughs> like, huh? like this, dude, I hope something historic happens out of there because you're not going to see any of it. So, you know, it was a uh, happy wife, unhappy life for about, I don't know, five, well, 10 minutes, but then happy afterwards. When I went home, it's the right move. We'll go to go to another game. So yeah, it's, it's the only move. The thing that I've realized as I start to get older, um, and obviously I'm, I'm in the sports industry to a degree, so like I start to realize it is entertainment. 
right? And if people aren't having fun, like forget the game itself. Like I know the game is the most important and the majority of people are there for the game. But people like my wife are there for the ambiance oh, yeah. and the atmosphere. And does she have fun? And I know that sounds silly, but like really that at the end of the day, a lot of the people that are going to spend money casually are these fringe fans that you have to appease to. And the way they build these stadiums now, you have to have these things. You have to have these amenities. And it's going to drive people out of their seats. It's kind of the yin-yang. Now, here's where if it happens – in the Western Conference Finals, now we got beef. Okay, of course, of, of course, and we'll jump off that bridge when we come to it. Last detail I'll give you, the entertainment thing. So I added to her, like, if this was a movie, if this was a movie and they had an intermission and we were buying food, you'd want to get back. You'd want to see what was happening in the movie. And she said, if we were in a movie and they were showing the movie on smaller screens outside, I wouldn't go back then either. It was like, <laughs> fuck, fuck. Just another loss. Exactly. And I think it was at that exact moment she was like, you know what? And I'm going to the bathroom for no reason. F you yourself dude joe thank you man huge no, thank fun. you guys no come on man every time you come on we love it i'm not alone i know everyone out there immediately agrees with me for those who need more butcher boy in their life where do they go uh every single morning six to nine a.m me and the warriors pre and post guy bonte hill this jerk who thinks he's gonna beat me in a shootout we're on every single day on 95 70 games on your fm dial you can also download the odyssey app and we're on youtube twitch all those places honestly guys it's it's fun interacting with other diehard fans like you guys because you guys clearly have an appreciation for like what we were before and what the team is now and where they're trying to go not that we don't get mad we all get pissed off but it's really refreshing to hear from like some normal fans because too many people just make a move to make a move ah you're caping up for the warriors it's like nah dog like i want to see them win every year Yes. If I had any preparation, I'd slowly take off the shirt and I'd have a Roni Turioff jersey underneath. Like, oh, surprise! It's been here the whole time. You want to support us, um, you can find us on social media, our Twitter account, at Warriors Huddle. You want to shoot us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You have some questions. Uh, Maxime, what's that email address? Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. And finally, last, absolutely not least, if you want to watch the video or just support us even in the smallest way, hop up onto Patreon where you can help us out for as little as a dollar a month. And if... You spend the big dollars. You're giving us $15 a month. You become an executive producer and you get your name right at the end, which leads me to a huge thank you to Amy B, Cheryl W, Jeff SK, Noah D, Stephen K, whose name I fucked up last week and called him Stefan. My bad. And finally, Brad Q. We appreciate you guys. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.